Here is the voice of me in fifth grade. Hi. <laughs> Hello, everybody. In this interview, I asked seven people, including myself, some very tricky questions about love. <laughs> the first question is, if you started writing a novel that told the history of your romantic love life, what would you title the first chapter and who would be in it? The second question is, in this same novel, what would you title the current chapter if it told of your romantic love life in 2021? Or in German, 20,021. And if you want to submit your own written answers to these questions, please email them to me at jack at caferibbit.com and I will very likely post them on the blog post. It would be super fun to connect and yeah, just build this Cafe Ribbit community. All right. Ribbit. If you started writing a novel that told the history of your romantic love life, what would you title the first chapter and who would be in it? It would be called Sleeping in Herndon. So my friend was creating an album that was called Sleeping in Herndon. And Herndon was this little town that, you know, I had uh, one friend who lived there and my girlfriend at the time, she didn't live in Herndon, but uh, yeah, we just spent a lot of time there because we were both going to school in the area. And that was where after school we would often go to like hang out. And it was also where, you know, we would go to, you know, make love <laughs> because I was driving around this like busted green van at the time. Uh-huh. Yeah. I just fondly remember going to this one like empty parking lot. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> I finally remember going to an empty parking lot. <laughs> I finally remember going to this empty parking lot. And I think why it's so like profound to me is that this was like my first real relationship. It ended up lasting basically three years. And I was just experiencing sort of like freedom for the first time. I had a girlfriend, I had a car, and almost every night I would sneak out of my house and go hang out with them and definitely included in the story because it's sort of like a metaphor for how everything felt of like being young but like breaking the rules and being excited to do it but i just remember like one night in particular we just got back in the front seats of the car and we didn't have our clothes on (laughs) still (laughs) we just blasted this music and just drove around the parking lot at like 2 a.m. with the windows down and like the summer <laughs> night air and we were just flying around screeching around the lot <laughs> and it was just like playing this like youthful music was it the sleeping and herndon album or other music no it was this song that she always played oh. and i think as far as the characters would go you know my girlfriend at the time 
it would be the people that we were hanging out with that were her friends because that was sort of the dynamic that made me feel really cool because she had cool friends. <laughs> Maybe your mom, you go home and have hickeys all over your neck. Oh, um, I wonder if that, yeah, that did happen like once or twice. They were actually bite marks, <laughs> <laughs> which I didn't like. I didn't like to get bitten and um, uh, I would like go home and it would just look like I spent too much time with like a koi fish or something like that. It was really bizarre. I have a related story to the romantic part of your story. It's kind of similar in the way that you were in the middle of a parking lot surrounded by all these streets and I guess people as well because me and my high school girlfriend, she was my first girlfriend, we found this apartment complex that had a weird like Roman Colosseum arena in the middle and all of the buildings were surrounding it. So we were sort of like the lion and the gladiator in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> so we would go there at night and they had really cheap uh, porch furniture that was weatherproof. So it was often just soaking wet too. And we would lay down and cuddle and make out on this furniture. But there was something exciting about all of these windows surrounding us. And we were alone in the center of it. And like, I would rarely see anyone actually looking like a silhouette with the light on behind them through a window. Yeah, like being in the center of it, but not really caring what anyone thought was very exciting. Yeah, I feel like that's, it's not that that mentality has left me, but it just feels so much like something I did when I was like 20. You just find yourself in like a little like weird townhouse community just like making out or something and just like like that like that doesn't happen <laughs> where did the time go but yeah like it just it, it was just and i hope that like everybody has that experience when they grow up you know like the mixture of like summer air and like being new to all of it and being in like a like a townhouse community somehow like like if you hooked your brain up to a scanner it would just be like magenta it's just like the perfect feeling <laughs> it's just like this is what it's all about like yeah. and, and it's not even bad and i'm not doing anything wrong like everybody's happy and like and when we're done like my friends are waiting for me inside to hang out even more it's just like <laughs> uh in this same novel, what would you title the current chapter if it told of your romantic love life in March 2021? Hmm. I recently got out of a relationship that lasted a couple months. And of note, this relationship mutually ended. Yeah, it's like the only time I think of my life that it was just like, yeah. I just don't think that we're like a perfect match for each other, but I really, really care about you. And like, I think you're awesome. It's just, 
yeah, at a point in life where it's like, yeah, this isn't, you know, going to be like a long haul thing. So, Mm -hmm. you know, let's just like, just kind of demote slightly to friends and we're both totally comfortable with that. Awesome. Yeah, that is awesome. So like, so this chapter would, would be called demoted. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no. um, I think it might be the motivated chameleon. <laughs> it sounds like a hemp shop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go in there and get like little glass blown pieces and like rolling papers the motivated chameleon oh my gosh and it's not even a cool name but it's just like i think it's the truth like because in a way i am more more asexual than ever these days Mm. and i don't think it's because i don't desire those things on occasion it's just that when it comes to like rote romance and love i've just sort of put it on the shelf for a while i feel like the past two maybe two and a half years probably just two years it's just felt to me that i'm trying to work on myself so much and i just feel too self-involved to give a relationship the attention and devotion that it deserves Mm -hmm. so even though i find myself occasionally in like little things um I kind of find myself also feeling guilty about like the way that I really feel about this person who I actually do care about. For instance, the last relationship, I wasn't ever really thinking about it, even though I liked the person and it was, and it was fine. I, I just, you know, so much of my mental effort and not like a, Oh, I'm always thinking about work. Like it's what I want to be thinking about. It's like, my art and trying to form a career out of it. Yeah. It just kind of has yielded this sort of purgatory in, in the relationship department. I actually find myself just being like, Oh, that's fine. It's kind of like too much. It's, it's totally worth it, but it's just too much for where I'm at right Mm -hmm. now in my head. So uh, that's where motivated comes from. And then chameleon is just how I can sort of assimilate into the dynamics that have presented themselves with people who I used to be involved with or people that I'm currently involved with. You know, I can kind of shift into, like I I kind of chameleoned my way into being a boyfriend. And this sounds really bad. It wasn't that I didn't care about the person, but it was like a performance, you know, like I was, I was happy to perform and, and act like I was the boyfriend and like, you know, do everything I could, um, because I did care about the person, but I just knew that my heart wasn't ready for it right now in my life. So it just kind of feels like I'm at a place where relationships don't really seem on the table for someone who's so wrapped up in their own business. So the motivated chameleon. (laughs) If you have time, do you want to hear my chapter titles? Yes, of course. Okay, so my first chapter title would be called Monkey Bar Smackdown. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) Wait, and so we're going back to like, this is like the first relationship one? Pretty much, yeah. This was fifth grade. In my elementary school in central Pennsylvania, our playground lot was huge. Because it was rural Pennsylvania, so 
there was just a set of monkey bars kind of in the middle of a field. And it was very far away from any supervising teachers. So we just created a lot of mayhem there. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of mayhem. (laughs) Well, pretty, pretty much. Me and my friends invented this game on the monkey bars where, and these were very high monkey bars. Like if you fell, you would fall like four or five feet. Okay. So one person would climb up on either end of the monkey bars and swing towards each other in the middle and just start kicking each other as hard as they could. (laughs) 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 And whoever held on longest and didn't fall was the winner of that round. That sounds like such a fun game. Oh it my was gosh. so fun. And so it would just be a line of kids on either end of the monkey bars just going up one at a time to duel each other. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, but I was the best at this game because I was so lightweight. Like I stalled at 45 pounds for must have been three years. <laughs> so I could just hang on for such a long time. And one day, my crush named <coughs> lined up on the opposite end of the monkey bars. And at this point, I hadn't even spoken to her. I was just like admiring her from afar in the hallway. So she. I just had defeated all of these kids and I'm just still (laughs) hanging there. (laughs) And she comes up and swings toward me in the middle. And of course I have to decide, am I going to try to beat her or am I going to just let her win? Cause I'm Mm. in love with her. (laughs) (laughs) What do I do? Oh gosh. And it's funny because she was actually much bigger than me. I was such a twerp. (laughs) So you didn't really have an option but to lose. (laughs) I actually decided that I was going to try to beat her. So I just started kicking her thighs as hard as I could. Oh, no. And she was my best opponent. Like, it was actually a really difficult match. I eventually won. (laughs) She fell to the ground. <laughs> so it's whoever hits the ground first, right? Yeah. Because I'm thinking if you wanted to like do like a crazy maneuver, uh, you could swing back and forth. And then at some point you just swing at them, let go and just like tackle them to the ground. And as long as their oh. body hits the ground first, you've won. It's this ultimate KO move. That sounds like so many broken ankles. <laughs> oh, but anyways, that was just a weird, like, messed up thought I had. But you can, but please, please continue. I was like, oh. Um. So yeah, I, I beat her, and then we proceeded to fall in love. So oh. I made the right decision. It might have been like a year later, but yeah, we were in homeroom together, and yeah, we totally fell in love but the story doesn't have quite a happy ending because we knew we had a crush on each other because we had a mutual friend in this homeroom that just told the other person 
about the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, and word got around the day that I was planning to ask her out. And I heard her answer before I even got to ask her, which was no, because Jack is too short. That's like the beginning of like a super villain come up story, Jack. It's just like, it's like, oh, oh gosh, that's brutal. That's absolutely brutal. And then, so what happened? I mean, you would, you would like how I got my revenge two years later in seventh grade. It was such like a bad boy, but really childish thing to do. And I didn't even go all the way. I just walked. I think she had been talking and gossiping about how short I was two years later because I just stalled stalled at like 4.11. So we made eye contact across the cafeteria, and I'm sure I still had a glimmer like, I love you. (laughs) (laughs) But I just held up my the back of my fist to her and put my middle finger knuckle up halfway. (laughs) (laughs) Not even the full middle finger. I wasn't daring enough. I just did it halfway. (laughs) And her jaw just dropped. (laughs) You just put your middle finger knuckle up. That's so good. You didn't even commit to a full finger. That's perfect. Oh, I mean, that's, that's just true life because like, that's the thing. Like, you can't really hate people that you don't have some level of, well, I mean, I guess that's not true, but like, um, I mean, I think that the fiercest hatred comes from some form of like love gone wrong, you know? Mm. Yeah. Like people. Yeah. It's like what could have been. Yeah. I remember hearing this growing up that there's a thing in law called like a crime of passion. Mm. where like you get a more lenient sentence or verdict if it can be ruled that it's that kind of scenario. I mean, depending on what you did, but like collectively, I think it's cool that like human beings have collectively made this judgment that we all kind of understand, like if someone you love did you so wrong and then you did something bad in return, people can somehow more place themselves in the shoes of being insane. Let me tell you the second chapter. It would be called Baron. <laughs> I'm I want to bring to mind some desert imagery because I haven't been in a relationship for since freshman year of college mm-hmm. and that was only for 3 months and before that I would say I haven't been in a healthy relationship since junior year of high school, which was the person I described to you in the townhouse complex. I think it's been so long for many reasons, partially a combination of what you described as like just prioritizing work. Mm -hmm. But that was complicated in college because I was also prioritizing work because I was scared to socialize because of fearing 
like how people saw me as a white man and if I said the wrong thing, would I be socially ousted? So right. instead of taking the risk of socializing, I just like hunkered down in my room and mm-hmm. tried to get straight A's. So college was pretty dark for me socially. That's why I really appreciated you so much because it was just like finally letting loose. Um, <laughs> seriously, like it was medicine for me. It still is. Um, But it would be called barren because it's kind of weird that as I am starting to feel ready to be in a relationship again, my only point of reference for being in a healthy relationship was with a 16, 17-year-old girl. Yeah, that's really bizarre. It's been so long, yeah. Like, I think I... I'm totally prepared for adult love because life prepares you in a lot of ways other than literally being in a relationship. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm just kind of like in a desert right now looking at mirages, reaching <laughs> for mirages. <laughs> I'm hopeful. It's not a, like, I think I'm I'm near to the river or I'm going to like pull a Bear grills and like, squeeze the water out of cow poop or something. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) If you started writing a novel that told the history of your love life, what would you title the first chapter and who would be in it? Well, it would probably be my parents. Mm. Because that's the first love that babies and children have. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure what the title would be, just the beginning of a new family. That's really sweet. Beginning of a new family. If this book was more focused on your love life in the sense of romance, would you title it the same thing? Okay, well, that could be the ups and downs of it. <laughs> There's different uh, kinds of romance that doesn't always work out the way you want it to. Sometimes it's not secure enough and it's not safe enough and uh, you just take it a day at a time, lots of times, so you get it organized. If you were writing the current chapter that told of your love life in February 2021... What would that chapter title be? Happiness and secure. Mm, That's great. I'm happy for you. Can you elaborate on why happy and secure would be your title? Well, I just feel that I have the love now that I feel more respected, uh, I feel I can talk about anything, and we just seem to hit it off. We're pretty elderly to have a new love, but it is a beautiful relationship. Yeah. Did you ever think that you would meet someone this later in life? No, no, no way. No, I never expected to 
be going through the love and security that I have right now in my older years of 80 and better. (laughs) Yeah, it's really remarkable. And I hope everybody can experience some version of that because I think a lot of people expect that when they get older, love just isn't in the picture anymore. But the story I know about you personally makes me very hopeful for myself and family. Well, we just have to, you know, work at things like that. And that's one way of putting it. So, And it just happens. And sometimes you don't even realize you're falling in love. So, mm-hmm. How did you guys meet? Pardon? How did you guys meet? Oh, I've known him probably for 40 years. Oh. Uh, many met a legion years ago where we had bands and was dancing. And, you know, it just has uh, been a friendly relationship for many years. But then three years ago, it become more secure and more loving. And we now are in the, just a happy moment. Happy moments, happy days, and uh, we live quite a ways apart, but we still talk to each other every day. And uh, I've just known him a long time, even when I had a different family. He was friends with my husband also at the time, but my husband has been gone for 18 years now, so we have the right to be together. So. Mm-hmm. And you guys will have a happy relationship as long as I don't interrupt any more of his deer hunts. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that I don't think that upset him that much. <laughs> okay, that's good. <laughs> I needed to ask you in a sly way. How mad was he? <laughs> if you started writing a novel that told the history of your love life. What would you title the first chapter, and who would be in it? (laughs) 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 This question's very funny. I love this question. It's a difficult one. Uh, I'll probably start off, like, the first thing that comes to mind is, like, maybe I'd call it Lost. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Can you can you elaborate? In terms of like romantic love, it wasn't really something that I, I feel like it was really only until like college that that was something that I had in my life, or you know. But I feel like I had a lot of love in friendships and like family, and you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like in some ways, it, it was something very present in my life. You know, my whole life. So the lost part, I would say I started dating someone when I was in college, like the first year of college, and he lived in my dorm, and I think both of us were a bit lost, Mm. actually. Like, it was kind of great because we were both, like, figuring out, yeah, like, what pleasure and sex was, I guess, and because neither of us really knew from a first-hand sort of way, you know? But, um, yeah, and he was a real sweetheart. Um, That's... I'm trying to think. 
Yeah. I was just going to say that's nice that one of your first experiences was also with a beginner because I yeah, think a lot of totally. people feel pressure that they have to know how to do everything. But if you're both going into it as beginners, then that takes the pressure off. Yeah. Yeah, there wasn't really any pressure in a way. I do remember when we first had sex, I, um, or I couldn't stop laughing because I just thought it was, <laughs> like, ridiculous. I mean, just like... <laughs> <laughs> just like such a funny activity I think maybe um, and then maybe that was like uncomfortable for him but <laughs> yeah I it just seemed really funny Pardon. oh sorry um, no no you go <laughs> I was just gonna say and I'll tell you my chapter titles later yes but um <laughs> I haven't had sex since high school I didn't have it at all uh-huh. in college Mm-hmm. And the effect of that is that I just kind of forget about it. Surprisingly, yeah, sure. a 23-year-old young man can forget about sex, but I do. Yeah. And then when yeah, I remember sure. that people have sex, I do just start laughing. I'm like, that is the weirdest wild animal thing. <laughs> it is. It definitely is. <laughs> I don't know. It doesn't sound that. I, I don't think it's so weird to forget about it. Yeah, I don't know. In this novel, what would you title the <laughs> current chapter if it told of your romantic love life in February 2021? Mm, it's a hard one because my partner doesn't live here. Um, hmm. Maybe like distant closeness or something. Mm. Yeah. Like I feel like at the moment I'm like navigating, yeah, having like a romantic relationship in which, you know, similar to how we're talking, it's like we're living with a really extreme time difference. And, but in a way we're like still, I still feel it feel very close to him. Like we talk all the time. And we read books together. Very occasionally we watch movies together. And sometimes we have, like, video sex, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, yeah, like, we're still very much in each other's lives. But, yeah, we have to navigate this massive difference of time and space. Mm -hmm. Been doing that since I left in the end of September. So it's hard, yeah. Yeah, I imagine similar to what I've noticed during the quarantine, how much effort it takes just to like schedule phone calls with friends. Mm, It's kind of the only way it happens if you're really intentional about it. Yeah, I think also the thing that's hard is like, you know, he's not going out, he's just staying at home. So he has a lot of time in some ways, even though he's working. Uh, and then I'm living like my life like it's pretty regular, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm in another universe because, you know, I go to work, I go to the studio, and then I'm going to a film screening. You know, life is as it was relatively. Yeah, we wear masks or sometimes we have like lockdowns for a few days, but it's very, it's a different world, you mm-hmm. know? So there's also that aspect. You know, I went to see the symphony a couple of weeks ago. 
Oh, I can't so even cool. imagine that. There's also just very different universes. If you started writing a novel that told the history of your love life, what would you title the first chapter and who would be in it? So the first chapter went through a couple revisions, um, but I think I settled on Venezuela, Trash Can Boy, and the Six Minute Mile as a, as a, as a way to get people interested. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you elaborate on why? Uh, yeah, so... And also include who would be in it? Yeah, there's the... Man, I should have come up with uh, little fake names. <laughs> so... You could use first letters. Right. J <laughs> would just not shut the fuck up about Venezuela. And he was always, like, bragging and lying about things that his, like, family said and did. And I always, like... I don't know, he... It was, it's so strange, like, when you're in elementary school, because, like, no one's going to tell you they like you. It's all mm. hearsay. Mm-hmm. So, him and uh, M, who can be referred to as Trash Can Boy, the endearing nickname that I made up for him in elementary school, they were both the ones with the crush on me that I was kind of, like, wary and angry <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, don't, don't, I, I wanted to play with girls, you know, I was like, I don't know what y'all want from me, but they were both like really, really interested, interested in me. It was either like, I had people who had no interest in me or people who were like, a person's obsessed with you, you know, uh, which yeah. might, might just be an elementary school thing, but it also felt a little characteristic of the later chapters. Yeah, and then there was this kid, KC. I was obsessed with KC. And if he ever hears this, I'll kill myself. Because, (laughs) 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 you know, he was like, sports kid, he's the six-minute mile, while I was, you know, lagging around the track, having to get the inhaler every few laps. If not every lap. And I don't know, man, his hair was just so silky. And, uh... It was flowing yeah. as he lapped you. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was. I was so angry, because, <laughs> and um, that was the, the kid who um, I asked my mom to give me a pixie cut, and she, cut my hair in the garage. We dyed it black. This was like the fifth grade. She ended up giving me this horrible little bowl cut, and I remember distinctly, going into class that Monday. And looking at my crush, and he had the same haircut that I did. Whoa. So not only, not only was he fully not interested in running at my speed, it was like looking in a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the title is Venezuela, Trash Can Boy, and the Six Minute Mile. Yes. Now, if you're still working on this novel and you're titling the current chapter that tells of your love life in February 2021, what would that title be? It was really difficult to kind of not um, include the like intermediate chapters, but 
this one would be called Lonesome No More with the exclamation point. Ooh. And then I'd have a little quote on the bottom that probably in italics would say, kiss me through the phone. And then whoever wrote that um, would be credited. <laughs> you mean the song from the early 2000s, kiss me through the phone. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a Soldier Boy song, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> and you could actually call the number that was in the song. And if you did, it was a voice mailbox where you could audition to be Soldier Boy's backup singer. Wow. And I definitely auditioned. No way. <laughs> Were you on pitch? Uh, it was just me and my friends screaming into the phone, thinking nice. we nice. actually might get in trouble for it. Aw. <laughs> yeah, Soldier Boy, his PR manager is going to come for you. <laughs> Okay, so Lonesome No More, I'm very happy for you. Thank you. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, it's kind of a cheeky reference to um, Kurt Vonnegut's most hated book, mm. where he kind of talking about this dystopian American future where the whole campaign for this current president's um, presidency is no, Lonesome No More, where they go through the entire United States and give everyone an assigned family, and they give them this new surname like Daffodil or like Blue Jay, and then all of, he was like, all of a sudden on my inauguration, everyone suddenly had thousands of new cousins, sisters, brothers, fathers, mothers, and so... I think that I'm referring to kind of like falling in love with all of my friends and like new and exciting ways, as well as like the mindset of eschewing unproductive loneliness in my life. That's very cool that you also expanded it to not just be romantic for the last chapter. I think it kind of has to be, you know, it's, I've always known that you can't get everything from one person, but it's like putting that into practice requires like a lot of feet on the ground, groundwork. Mm -hmm. There's this documentary about a guy named Maury, who is an old professor, and he's dying from ALS. Mm -hmm. And when his friends ask him what they can do to help him because he's pretty much totally immobile. Um, his activities are really limited. He said, the best thing you can do for me is to just call me when you can. Yeah. And I made his picture of him talking on the phone, laying in his reclining chair, one of my computer backgrounds, just because I totally need that reminder to reach out to people and just to share that I need people to reach out to me too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a discipline. Mm -hmm. If you started writing a novel that told the history of your love life, what would you title the first chapter and who would be in it? I think the first chapter would be titled The Jungle Gym. 
<laughs> okay. Because the the first time I remember like that that tingling sensation um like in your body and the goosebumps you get on your arms and that whole whole body experience of being captured by the present moment was at the um the caring center uh daycare and i was on the jungle gym and there was a, a girl who was in my class too and i can't remember how it happened but i think that we kissed it was might have been on the what? cheeks or like a really like quick peck on the lips or something like that i can't remember her name um memory from that long ago also is subject to question <laughs> whether this really happened but like i think we were like in at the top of the jungle gym usually the highest point is where the the top of the slide is and then you go down in circles and stuff and i think we were sitting in the tube at the top of the slide oh um because i remember we were kind of like separate that's so intimate yeah, and I don't want to give the impression that this was a <laughs> an intimate affair. Um, yeah, because also, how old were you? The yeah, center? less less than six. It must have been, <laughs> um, or yeah, I don't I don't know exactly the age, but it was it wasn't very old, and I don't remember much else besides uh, those years or that experience. It's basically that moment and being pushed around in. Um, a big mail cart around West Philly by the the daycare teachers. So um, those are those are kind of like the lasting memories. In this novel, what would you title the current chapter you're working on? If it told of your love life in February 2021, I think this chapter would be a poetic thread. Hmm. That's that's beautiful. Can you explain why? Yeah, well, um my partner of about a year or so are now doing long distance for the first time and we're discovering new ways of connecting um given that we had proximity before and we're we're living close together and and now we're thousands of miles apart. Um, so just by, by the facts of, of that circumstance, um, we, we can't see each other in person. Um, and so we're trying to find new and novel ways to connect and feel close and, and to get to know each other. So, um, the kind of restrictions and limitations are, are a forcing function for creativity. And so I thought about a poetic thread as this chapter title because just out of the blue this week uh, my partner sent me an email um with the subject line a morning poem oh. and she wrote uh yeah a poem that she wrote about uh, a memory of of one specific time we spent together and then without texting her or uh saying anything and she didn't request anything she just sent me the poem um, I, I took one of the the words from from her poem and then wrote my own in response. And then she followed up and wrote wrote another poem back and then suggested a theme for me. And I 
wrote a poem and and then she wrote a poem and and so it's this really beautiful and fun back and forth that happened organically uh just this week and and for reference we've been doing long distance for a few weeks so uh it's i'm i'm looking into the future uh and thinking that this is going to be a really poetic thread because just nat naturally and over time, we're gonna be writing poems back and forth in this thread and we'll always have it um, regardless of where each of us is. Wow, that is so cute. <laughs> it was, it oh was her, her starting it. And so, so much credit goes to her. What was the first word you used from her first poem to write your response? Let me see. And did you make it bold so she knew? Uh, no, I wanted to be more subtle than that. <laughs> it was about, uh, the, the word that I took was lips. Oh. And I went off of that. This is hot and steamy. <laughs> <laughs> this is your agenda. <laughs> I can't help but get excited, but that is really sweet. If you started writing a novel that told the history of your romantic love life, what would you title the first chapter and who would be in it? Oh, okay. Like I have, I've had so many crushes that and like those feel very like cr having crushes feels very, very, very like central to my my life story and I think I would have to have like a lot of like short chapters and like maybe like one chapter per crush let me think okay I, I think I can I'm definitely including that <laughs> it's like your version of a thinking cap yeah no it it, it it is kind of helping me focus and think recently I've been very anxious recently and I think that whistling is helping me Okay, I'm thinking of, oh, I'll call it Snaggletooth. Ooh, this is going to be a good Ooh, one. Good one. <laughs> Did your, like, lip okay. get caught on this person's braces or something? Oh, that'd be so <laughs> cute. No, but, I mean, I was not kissing anyone, like, during the era when people had braces. Like, I, I mean, yeah, I missed that window to do that. <laughs> um, okay, Me too. So uh, you know, late bloomers. I know, absolutely. I had sex for the first time when I was like twenty-one, hmm. like the the very the tail end of college, <laughs> the very tail end. Like literally, I like I think classes were, like we were like I was writing my final papers, like literally my last papers that I would write for college. That is what happened. Like I'm really, really just right under the wire. That is the and best way to celebrate graduation. Honestly, yeah. I mean, I was kind of like, all right, you know, going out with a bang. Ha -ha. <laughs> Ooh, that's clever. I really did go out with a bang. To make um, you feel better, I the first time I had sex was 16, but I haven't had sex since then. <laughs> oh, that's so interesting. I mean, I had sex multiple times with that girlfriend, but yeah, I haven't since then. So we're we're wow, all different. It's okay. Huh. That is, you know, I I guess like I, I forget how like specific everyone's sex life is. Like I think that, you know, 
I just assume people are like having sex regularly and like mm-hmm. so few people are, you know, some people aren't having sex at all and have never had sex. And some people like, yeah, have sex like with a person, like, like one person a year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's so interesting, Jack. I, I don't think I've ever like spoken to anyone with like that timeline. Yeah. Yeah. That's my related to my second chapter title. I'll tell you that when it's my turn. Okay, yeah, yeah. But Snaggletooth. Snaggletooth. Going back to LARP camp. So there was a kid that I um, was friends with for a very, very, very long time at LARP camp. Like from the time we were like 12, 13, we were really great friends. And he's 20, so he's like three years younger than me. But he was, you know, I just, we, I just loved him. I adored him. We adored each other. Um, How come? And, um, he, I guess he, he was the type of boy who, like, I think everyone always thought that he was gay. I think people probably still think he's gay. He would always get cast as, like, a fairy or, like, a little prince in the games. And he's kind of, like, quiet and slight and delicate. He's very, very tall and very, very skinny. And he's blonde and... Mm -hmm. A little bit awkward and quiet, smokes a lot of weed, and loves jazz. Wow. Um, yeah, I'm really painting a picture right now. And he was he's always he's very like touchy and um I really just loved that he liked to, you know, hold people and hug people and hold hands and put his arms around his friends. He always just really like loved his friends and I guess maybe four years ago or something. We had this like beautiful walk one night, just the two of us. And like, we were looking at the moon and, and we ended up like on the the roof of this building, just like looking at the stars and it was like three in the morning. And then we were like, Oh, like we should, we should go to bed. And I got really sad. And I was like, why am I feeling sad? And then I I think I was like, is there like something happening between us? Like I asked him mm-hmm. if like there's something going on. And like earlier in the day, we had like gone on a boat ride, just the two of us. And we like swam together. And and he was like, well, I feel like there's like kind of this romance between us. And I was like, yeah, okay. I'm glad that you're feeling that. I'm feeling it too. And then we just like kissed a little bit. Mm-hmm. It was very like, it was interesting because it felt like I never got to do that type of stuff when I was like 16 that feel you know it feels very 16 like you know kissing your crush on a roof like I never did any of that stuff and so I was like 21 and I was getting to do that it felt very like exciting and I don't know like youthful and I mean I'm still I'm still in my youth but like it felt very like teenage dream by Katy Perry yeah it was like that yeah like the pop experience you wanted to have when yes, culture yeah. tells you you're supposed to have it. Exactly. Yeah. And I was, yeah. And, you know, I was like, oh, well, I missed the window for that, but I guess I'm having it now. But, you know, there's no window that's made up. Yeah. And then it's crazy because this camp um, is only, it's once a year for a week. So, like, all this crazy, intense stuff happens during the week. And then you, like, might not get to see the majority of those people for a whole year. So then the next the year after that, we were just like attached to the hip the whole oh, week. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh man, I it was like 
I was fucking blitzed the fuck out. Like, we were, so, like, I, um, I was on staff that year, so, um, and I was in costuming, so he, and he, like, was old enough that, like, he didn't really, like, have to go to camp anymore, mm. so he was assisting me, so he was, like, by my side constantly, and, like, there was, you know, on the first day of camp, like, we had to leave campus to go buy a bunch of stuff, and he came with me, and, you know, it was, like, it was summer, and I was with this kid that I loved in upstate New mm-hmm. York, and, um, I'm already feeling sad because I uh, don't know who this boy is, because... I don't think you're still with him. <laughs> well, yeah, this is, this is, um, when I started talking about him, I actually started shivering, but I also oh. started smiling a lot. I'm actually going to get a sweater one second. Okay. Um, yeah, I wasn't shivering or really smiling during any of the other stories, but, um, this one is really, this is like quite, this is like an epic. That sounds like true love. Oh yeah, like I, I don't, I don't know if it's true love. I mean, I think that he loves a lot of people. Okay. Um, which makes me feel good, but also sad. But like, I know that his love for me is real, but it's just complicated. Yeah, and like on our last day, like we were saying goodbye, and then he st- and he started crying, and then I started crying, and we like held hands and walked his car together and, and he gave me a little rock and it was like, it's a little pink rock and I still have it in my room. And he said, here is a, well, he was like, I need to give you something. What can I give you? And he was like, I have all these rocks in my car. And he said, um, here's a, a peachy rock for a peachy girl. And I always remembered that. And yeah, we were just both sobbing and then he drove away and I actually saw him, um, a couple weeks later because I visited him at his house and like the week we were working together was like blissed out but this was like another level so it was like no other responsibilities just one-on-one time yeah and like I met you know I hung out with like his cat and his dog and his parents and his little sister and like it was insane it was insane I like I think I I I didn't eat a lot that weekend because maybe I was a little bit nervous, but I also was like, I feel like I could just like live off of this feeling. Whoa. I just got goosebumps when you said that. See, this is like, yeah. Love. Love is crazy. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. That's like, (laughs) that goes so far beyond romantic love like it can apply to so many things to live off a feeling that that can be your sustenance oh my gosh i mean it's crazy because like thank yeah i mean that's what it felt like like i don't that's just what it felt like like i have no other i literally like didn't feel like eating that much and usually i eat a ton of food i'm always i'm you know i have a, a pretty hefty appetite but yeah i just was like i don't need anything like i just love feeling this way and that's what's Mm -hmm. getting me up in the morning and like which is like maybe that's a little bit too much maybe that's like too intense but that's how it felt yeah so why is this chapter titled snaggletooth because he has a little snaggletooth oh like a little tiny sharp tooth he has a tooth that kind of like sticks out a little bit like he has kind of fucked up teeth 
Yeah, that's why it's called Snaggletooth. Um, I actually just didn't know what that word meant. Do you want to share what happened or is happening to this relationship? Yes, that, that was going to be, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm getting there right now. So when I was saying goodbye to him and like leaving his parents' house, it felt a little bit off. Like I remember him, like I was in a train station, of course, and he like grabbed my shoulders and kind of like pushed me away from him a little bit. And I was like, something's a little bit off. And then um, in the coming months, I tried to like keep in touch with him and he was really not texting me very much. And I, and he was like back at college and I was out of college or and at one point I asked him like, how much do you want to keep in touch? Like what would feel good for you? Like kind of knowing that like he would probably be dating someone and like, I maybe would be too, but like, I still wanted to talk to him because mm-hmm. I love him. And he ghosted me. Wow. He like ghosted me for like, it was over a year, I think. Um, yeah, nothing from him. And that like wrecked me. It absolutely tore me apart. And I was having a really hard time, like with family stuff at the same time. So that time of my life was just like a, it was a disaster. It was really, really awful. And then eventually, sorry, I'll wrap up. Eventually I, um, I texted him and was like, Hey, what you did devastated me. And like, not only did I like, you know, we had this romance, but also like we were such good friends and it hurts me that we don't even have that anymore. Yeah. I just really called him out and he sent kind of like a watery response back. And I kind of closed the conversation. He like asked me how I was and I just gave him a short answer and um, made my closing remarks. Hmm. And the last part of that chapter is that yesterday or maybe two days ago, he texted me because I just released a little collection of poetry and he texted me to congratulate me on my book. And I still haven't responded to his text. This is such good timing for this interview. (laughs) (laughs) You are at the crux of something about to happen. We really are. Um, (laughs) Wow. If you started writing a novel that told the history of your love life, what would you title the first chapter and who would be in it? Okay, if I'm writing a novel, I don't have to do it chronologically. Even if I'm writing a history, I don't have to do it chronologically. And I feel like then that makes me want to do it about a sort of zoomed out structure. It's hard for me to think of a title, but something about power, something about expression, like secrecy, effusion and or effusiveness and power. Maybe just that list of those words. I'm looking up effusive <laughs> to remind myself. <laughs> Expressing feelings of gratitude, pleasure, or approval in an unrestrained or heartfelt manner. Yeah, I think of it sort of as being like really hard on your sleeve. It, and it, in a like excited, open way. Next to secrecy and power. Yeah. I'm thinking about how much I learn about how to express love from my parents. And if you are talking about romantic love, I think that's such an interesting relationship that we have with our parents to like have been witnessing this partnership 
from the beginning of our lives before we are romantic beings. I feel like I absorbed so much about how to think of myself romantically that's only coming out in me now, or I'm like only finally parsing it all apart. Basically separating myself from the stories that my mom has told me about herself, where it's like, whoa, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm not, I don't have to do that, you know, or, or like, I really want to do that. And maybe I can't, maybe I can't have the same trajectory as my parents, you know, and maybe that's okay. My mom has a really strong narrative of <laughs> having like manifested my dad for herself when she was in a really low place. She was like, I had this really distinct dark night and then everything sort of turned around for me. Oh, in meeting your dad. Yeah. And I think since hearing about that for so long, that sounded so hopeful to me. And I've recently been like, oh, like I actually can't really expect a romantic relationship to save me in that way. But I also want to like affirm it as a really powerful source of how I act is from this like deep loneliness. And I am some I'm still wondering, like, yeah, maybe it would save me. I don't know. Yeah, I can see how it'd be powerful and optimistic to have that hope that you could meet the person any day, but also having the expectation you might not put in the same effort to start finding someone. But it almost feels like effort all the time. Like I love that idea of like you see somebody on a train twice in one day, coincidentally. You know, like I love those sort of little fate stories, stuff like that. But then it feels like in always looking out for that, that's exhausting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so to recap, do you still want to go with the title Secrecy, Effusiveness, and Power? It's kind of the most awkward um, <laughs> collection would, of words. Would I no, read no, no, this wait, book? Let's think about no, you would not. <laughs> I don't think you would. Um, you could maybe just make it Effusiveness and Inhibition. Mm, that definitely has a nice <laughs> ring to it. That's better, yeah. Oh, and... The people who would be in this, I would assume, are your parents, this kindergarten crush that lasted through junior high. Through high school, really. Okay. And anyone else? Well, I also, because hmm. I think there's also a lot about like queer desire and like unnamed, uncategorizable crushes to me like of how I admired girls in my class when I was really little and stuff like that I like sometimes I think that if I was a little kid now where everyone's like it's okay if you like everybody or anybody the pressure to be romantic to anyone I think would scare me more than being like I don't know what this is with this person I'm gonna leave it open you know <laughs> in this novel what would you title the current chapter if it told of your love life in February 2021? Oof. I, this is the question that I was the most uh, sort of dreading because I've been thinking about it a lot recently and kind of still can't get my arms around it. Um, 
I think that there's something about, there's something really powerful I've been thinking about recently about memory and how I fabricate memory and where the line is between the lines, maybe between like memory, fantasy, and real hope. Like where I'm sort of trying to figure out what my relationship is to somebody or to like many people from my past but in only having memories of them, it becomes like I sort of create a version of them or of what actually happened with them that isn't super real or like is real to me, but doesn't have the outcome. It doesn't actually have the outcome that would stem from them being that person. Do you know what I mean? Okay. <laughs> like basically it's, I am questioning like the re my reality and whether I can say that my reality is true when somebody else experiences the relationship really differently as i get older like i can't title or like summarize current chapters maybe because everybody i've ever loved is still like with me you know like it doesn't really end i have these threads or lines that continue and then just kind of add on top of each other rather than being like this is a chunk of time about this person this is a chunk of time about that person Sometimes it makes me so sad and I miss these people so desperately, but ultimately I'm glad that it is that way, that I like retain them a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of having a bit trouble understanding without an example, but I know this is a personal question, so it might be hard to give an example. No, but I think also that <laughs> there's a whole arm of this also that's about self-denial and me not giving you an example is me being like it's not that big of a deal like I don't need to name this specific relationship because I don't care about it that much but I do and this is like also a whole thing that I've been facing in myself is that there is basically one person who I was like sort of with at the very beginning of quarantines also it's an interesting marker of like that was how I kicked off this whole very strange time was to have this like really beautiful I thought like deep connection with somebody really briefly and then for us to be living quarantining far apart and like having to figure out what the future was going to hold and me feeling that I sort of got the rug pulled out from under me in like maybe realizing that he cared differently or not as much as I did. And so it's really embarrassing basically for, for me to admit that or has been in the past. And it's hard for me to say like, yes, I actually do care about this when I feel sort of wrong in not being reciprocated. I feel like I'm almost not allowed to love this person if he doesn't love me in the same way or something. Because I've also been on this interesting track about lying recently, thinking a lot about lying to myself. And I think that in that situation and in others, the gap between when I notice what I want and then do what the other person wants is like, it's so quick that I don't even notice it. So I don't give myself time to like express to myself how I care about somebody and what I sort of would want our relationship to be or how I, you know, see them. So then when I've jumped to being like, I'll do whatever you need, it makes me so depressed, obviously, because <laughs> I haven't even noticed. And then it hits me like belatedly later that I've lied to myself and to them effectively because of it. 
when you say lie, you mean, I don't hear lying yet, but you're not acknowledging what you need. Yeah. Yeah, lying by omission or like repressing maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, rather than lying. Um, and so the false reality came in me being like, saying I don't need to be partnered with this person. I'm okay with this being casual. At worst, sort of like arising whenever we happen to see each other, which in quarantine is really hard to pull off, obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think that that was like, that was the lie to myself was me saying like, I'm okay with this being like really nebulous. And, and so then really like I basically handed him the capacity to hurt me a lot. And like, I cared about it so much without him knowing that, which is also the, the lie by omission. And so then I was really hurt when he said no Mm-hmm. but he didn't know that that would hurt me. You know, it was sort of like, I was like keeping all my cards so close to my chest. And I think he was too, which is also why it didn't work. You were queuing it up to remain as a friendship. And then when he wanted it to stay that way, you were hurt because all along you wanted it to be more. Totally. Yeah. Man, that is tough. It's tough. And it's also it's also the kind of thing where like I <laughs> I'm frustrated. Like it makes me angry too, sort of at the world and at everything, because he's told me like there's a there's an alternate reality where I like didn't have to move away because it wasn't quarantine. And then like in that alternate universe, maybe we're together, you know, and that makes me so mad mm, because yeah, I would not want to hear that. <laughs> That's <laughs> to like, know that it's uh... like, but then why don't you want to do it anyway? You know, I'm kind of like my mode is always like love should be the ultimate. Like I have this really romantic or romanticized, you know, where it's like you should do anything for love. Like you should go out of your way. You should make all the effort, whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't even need to qualify it. I'm the same way. I mean, it's also ironic, though, because I have so much fear around this. It's like I still am not willing to assert that I love him or that I think I do. You know, I'm not willing to move to where he lives and like show up on his doorstep and be like, what are you going to do about it? You know, like <laughs> I kind of also want things from people that I am myself unwilling to commit to. Maybe because they're scary or like but you have really... shown him your cards. You have shown totally. him your cards. So it's his turn now. Yes. And I also think that it may, it might just take him so much longer than I think. Like I, I also want everything fast. I want everybody to know what they feel right away. And I think that people just don't. And that always surprises me. <laughs> I'm like, how could you not know? <laughs> you know? Uh... But yeah, like the other day was like, because I was thinking about visiting this guy. I was like, what if I did that? That would be crazy. And she was like, yeah, it seems like you just want like connection, like that you're craving. Since we're all in such a deficit of intimacy, basically, or a lot of people are like you're craving any kind of intense connection, even if it's a little bit fucked up, like Mm -hmm. even if you aren't even if it's like a you're not getting what you actually need you're getting a semblance of something like kind of related to it (laughs) and it's really easy to just like continue hurting yourself that way because of that do you have a title 
<laughs> no, yeah, I want to stick with, um, ooh, ooh, let's do a crazy thing. Okay, so in parentheses, miss, M-I-S, memory, so memory and miss memory, plus, in parentheses, unreality. Cheesy Dang. ass title. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, contributors, for sharing your stories. And thank you, listeners, for listening. Do do biddy do. But really, thank you so much. The conversations were really fun to have, and I was glad to have an outlet as well. Um. If you are listening to this and want to submit your own written answers to these interview questions, please email them to me at jack at caferibbit.com, and I'll very likely post them on the blog post. If you're not already subscribed to the Cafe Ribbit newsletter, you can do so by entering your email at the bottom of any page on caferibbit.com. And you'll receive interviews like this one, uh, original recipes, and my personal artwork. So, see you next time. Ribbit.